Welcome to another episode of the Nourishing Africa podcast. As usual, we bring you useful, relevant, practical business insights that you can apply directly to your agri-food business. On this episode today, we have Dr. Dan Asariki, the CEO of Esoko in Ghana. Esoko is a virtual startup accelerator that facilitates small business growth in sub-Saharan Africa. He is going to tell us more about business as we go on into the podcast. For today, he is going to be discussing the topic, optimizing technology for post-harvest management. Hi, Dr. Dan. Welcome to this podcast. Thank you very much for having me. All right. So please go ahead to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about Estoco. Right. Thank you. So I'm very, very excited to be part of this conversation. And my name is Daniel Asariche. I always want to begin introducing myself as a proud father of three wonderful sons. I'm a technology entrepreneur, a farmer, and chief executive officer of Isoko. I've been working in the African agricultural technology space for the past 17 years. I've been an ardent promoter of an African technological drive, especially using ICT uh, to drive digital and financial inclusion among African rural people. I am passionate about using technology to solve real life problems affecting people in rural Africa and particularly interested to help bridge the gap between technological innovations and the smaller farmer in Africa. My background is in geoinformation science, uh, that's the remote sensing GIS and then agricultural economies. And now a bit on Isoko. So Isoko has been a pioneer in African agricultural technology landscape. We have been helping enterprises to manage rural communities since 2008 Traditionally focused on content services to farmers, our platform now provides a much more powerful data collection and digitization tools, content messaging, and payment gateways to rural folks across Africa. And you've been working in 20 countries across Africa, reaching more than 1.2 million farmers with innovative information service offering, and at the same time, providing digital footprint to more than 5 million rural people uh, through various social protection programs. So, this is a bit about Isoko. Like I said, you were set up in Ghana and then you've operated from Ghana for the past 12 years. You've been working across the culture value chain, providing technological solutions to many enterprises that want to engage and work with rural communities across Africa. So thank you very much once again for having me on this program. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you so much, Dr. Dan. It is really exciting to learn about all the wonderful tools leveraging technology that you have deployed at Isoko. So I imagine we're going to be learning more of that as we go along in the discussion. For now, I would like to ask, what mechanisms has ESOCO put in place towards improving the post-harvest management for the farmers you work with? What technologies in particular have you leveraged to do this? Yeah, right, thank you. So I'm gonna talk about essentially three main tech-related solutions that we have deployed over the years to solve the issue of post-harvest management in Africa. One, Isoko has digitized a whole range of content meant to train farmers on post-harvest management of several crops. Like I said in my introductory remarks, over 1.2 million farmers across 20 countries in Africa have accessed our highly prized content on good agricultural practices, including post-harvest management. Now, these highly content are disseminated to farmers over mobile channels, such as SMS, IVL, voice messaging, and call centers. In addition, we have deployed two high-tech solutions to deal with the issue of post-harvest loss among our partners. The first of these solutions is what we call 
the cheetah. So I made the normal wildlife animal that we call cheetah, which stands as an acronym for chains of horticultural intelligence towards efficiency and equity and agro-food trade along the Trans-Africa Highway. Now, this technology was developed and deployed together with our partner called the Using Laboratories. And the main aim was to help amplify the voices of value chain actors like transporters, consumers, growers, farmers, public and private agencies, by allowing them to be able to communicate your value chain shortcomings during the transportation of food across West Africa. So for instance, if somebody is transporting tomatoes from Accra to Lagos by road now, this technology allowed this operator to be able to record in real time anything that is happening along the transport corridor. So they can actually broadcast this information to all the actors in the agricultural value chain. Now, this app has enabled players to be able to tap into chains of horticultural intelligence, which then leads to better informed decisions. This in turn reduces cost and increased profit for business actors. It leads to lower market prices for consumers, fairer prices for growers, and better interventions by public and private agencies. So this is something that you did about three, four years ago. The main idea, like I said, is to be able to promote or help to reduce illegal uh, non-talent barriers within the West African trade corridor using technology, using mobile channels to be able to track what is happening with fruits and vegetables that are being transported uh, along the chain. Now, the second technology that we developed to be able to help the issue of post service management is what we call a fruit protect. Now, this is essentially a solar-powered, low-entry cost technology for fruit and vegetable drying. We then have to bypass the, the issue of very expensive conventional food drying ovens that are available in the market. So the idea is that if you want to dry or process your fruits and vegetables at the farm level, now this technology allows a simple smaller farmer to be able to install this device or this equipment in their own farms, dry their fruits and package them to be able to then export. The objective here is to catalyze on-farm processing of fruits and vegetables, such as purple, pineapples, mangoes, and even crops like ginger and pepper. So these three areas are the main areas where we have kind of deployed a very high-tech solution to be able to deal with the issue of post-harvest management. One, just to recap what I said, one is the issue of digitized agricultural content, which aims to inform the farmers about what they need to do to be able to keep their food at the right quality. The second one is our cheetah platform that allows value chain actors to be able to record and track uh, post-harvest issues as they are going to, as they are transporting uh, these produce between various countries in West Africa. And the third one is really a simple, uh, low-cost food processing equipment that allows other farmers to be able to process and dry their own fruits and vegetables. So these are just examples of what you have done over the years in trying to help to contribute to very effective post-harvest management issues in Africa. Thank you so much, Dr. Dan. These are really commendable efforts that you've put into ensuring that farmers are able to deal with any post-harvest activities. But then, you know, I imagine that with all these technologies and mechanisms that you've put into place, there will certainly be a problem of adoption by the farmers who you work with, especially given that many of our farming activities occur in the rural areas, the literacy level of our farmers, and you know, all sort of challenges can come up along the way. So my question really is around these challenges and what Esoko has done to surmount the works. Right, thank you. So I mean, there are a number of challenges that affect post-harvest management, even 
the deployment and adoption of these innovators I talk about. I mean, the major challenges really has to do with the lack of absence of post-service infrastructure, such as warehouses, cold storage facilities, inadequate on-farm storage facilities, inaccessible farming communities, poor road network, including near absence of rail transportation in many African countries. Now, these are what sometimes I call the hardware post-service management in Africa. I think for us at the SOC, what we have done to surmount some of the challenges is our understanding, deep understanding of the fact that agriculture doesn't necessarily end with production. I mean, if you look at what people actually do in most countries in Africa, people think that agriculture actually has to do with production, actually making biological increases in biological productivity. But then we believe that beyond on-farm productivity increases, we need to be able to invest in post-harvest infrastructure, especially building post-harvest terminals in major farming districts, and complementing them actually with setting up of what are called commodity irrigation centers. Your facilities for weighing, sorting, grading, all meant to promote standardization. Now, if you look at several countries in Africa, like Ghana, Ethiopia, even Nigeria, there's an emergence of what they call commodity exchange that have come up to be able to help deal with the issue of post-harvest management. But then these commodity exchanges need to be complemented, of course, with adequate post-harvest terminals that are cited in many or major farming base in many countries help even optimize the operation of these commodity exchanges. Now, when you look at the software-related issues, uh, I said about two main, which is the hardware, which is infrastructure, post-harvest terminals, warehousing. But then when it comes to the software side, which things have to do with standards, regulations, and so on and so forth, we think that there have to be deliberate effort to be able to help enforce existing rules as well as developing marketing system. I mean, Lack of structured marketing systems actually really do contribute a lot to post-harvest losses in many African countries. I mean, if you go to our markets, I mean, in Ghana or Nigeria or elsewhere in Africa, you see that typical African market, you have tomatoes or whatever being on the floor and then they are being sold for the consumers. Now, these are issues, I mean, the way they are handled, the way they are packaged, the trust and sent to the markets, all need much room to be desired. And so we believe that these systems need to change. This way of selling commodities and fruits and vegetables in our markets needs to change. We believe that people need to be trained on how to adequately and properly handle these fruits and vegetables that are being sold in several markets in Africa. For example, in Ghana, the concept of state-led commodity aggregation marketing in the case of cocoa, for instance, has been one of Africa's success stories when it comes to increasing or improving post-service management issues. We've seen that this can be replicated to several other commodities like cashew, maize, oil palm, soybean, and so on and so forth. So these two broad areas, I think for me, are very, very important in dealing, helping the area of issue of post-service management. Hardware issues having to do with infrastructure, and then software having to do with regulation, standards, and then and so on and so forth. Thank you so much, Dr. Dan. Those are really, really critical insights. And you know, we have agri-food entrepreneurs such as yourself and uh, across the continent who will be listening to this podcast. And I am sure because given the popularity or otherwise of post-harvest management technologies, I mean, it's not really a common practice among our agri-food entrepreneurs across the continent. So we need to understand, we need to make them understand the importance of adopting post-harvest management practices especially leveraging technology. So can you help us with a few points as to what 
the practical benefits are that agri-food entrepreneurs from farm to fork, be it the farmers, the processors, the aggregators, can gain from leveraging technology to handle their post-harvest activities, especially as related to profitability and increasing their productivity. Right. So, I mean, in this day and age, you can't do anything without technology. I mean, technology has has been, has now become part and part of everything that you do as human beings. And so, leveraging post-harvest technology has several other benefits that help to leapfrog many of the challenges that are associated with traditional methods of post-harvest management. For instance, when you run our cheetah pilot program to track in real time the decay of perishable during transportation, the technology allowed all chain actors to be informed on all conditions that affect post-harvest issues and impede trade. Now, this real-time information generated and disseminated through mobile channels actually help to promote transparency and accountability, especially among actors whose legal or illegal activities actually have a several effect on post-harvest laws. Again, technologies that allow smaller farmers to be able to track the quality of the produce are crucially important for helping farmers to quickly take and then action to help prevent further losses in product quality. So if a farmer can adequately be informed in most in real time alone, at this point in time, you are losing 10% of the quality of your tomatoes. Now this farmer can quickly and immediately take steps to ensure that further losses are prevented. Now these technologies actually allow rapid scaling of post-harvest operations that can hardly be achieved with traditional methods of managing post-harvest quality. So, like I said earlier, you can't really do anything this day without technology. And so, one of Africa's major issues have been our adoption of technology. Now, we don't have any other option than looking at what technologies are actually available that you can actually tap into and help us to scale up and live for some of the time that associated with traditional post-harvest issues. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Dan. I totally agree that it is important to tap into the available technologies to scale up and of course technology is one surefire way to leapfrog and it is high time how agriculture entrepreneurs across the continent apply this to post-harvest management as well and it is really interesting that in the developed world actually occurs in the households you know at the consumption level of agricultural products but for us here it is around between harvest down to the consumer. So it is really important we manage this activity such that we are able to minimize the losses and increase profitability and productivity. You've mentioned all the benefits and that's really important, but I am sure that the agri-food entrepreneurs would ask. All these technologies would be deployed with some sort of power, infrastructure, such as, you know, feeder roads and all sorts of infrastructure that will typically not be available in many areas across the continent. So how can these post-harvest technologies be scaled and made accessible to small order farmers and small-scale processors at minimal cost? Yeah, right. I think first of all, we need to develop the use of micro-mobile dryers for several fruit and vegetables in Africa. And so farmers can easily adopt one of these machines mount it on the tractor and then just drive it to the farm and begin to use it to process their fruits and vegetables whatever they're interested in so this is another thing we really need to pay attention to you should really be moving away from very big commercially oriented uh, post-harvest technologies 
into moving to small micro scale processing machines that can be used at the farm level. I remember at the farm level also, like you rightly said, there's no electricity there, there's no infrastructure. And so these innovations that are out there should actually be targeting areas where farmer can even, even solar powered or even powered by LPG gas, liquefied petroleum gas. This is that for me are very, very important. I really want some other farmers to be able to uh, adopt and increase the scale of these innovations at the farm level. You cannot have a system where you have $1 million equipment and then the farmers can obviously not afford them. And so once you have this small scale design purposes for small that farmer use, these farmers can be brought together through a cooperative structure and then whatever that the process at the farm level can then be mopped up by an aggregator who then can then be sold to add buyers on the value chain. So even by so doing, we are also now in the process creating additional jobs around the value chain. So for instance, if you have thousands of smaller farmers, each of them having their own small scale dryer that's able to dry up to 500 kilograms of ginger or, or, or pepper or any other crop. Now somebody can set up a business along the chain to now aggregate all the processed fruits and vegetables from these thousand farmers. And now that becomes a very good avenue for job creation, for employment, and for all sorts of other benefits that may be accrued to the general community. And so I believe that that's the way to go. Agri entrepreneurs need to look at these areas and then begin to look at what areas, that you, what innovation that you can actually introduce that are micro in nature, that are small in nature, that are affordable by smaller farmers, so that you can actually have a much higher adoption rate among uh, many smaller farmers across Africa. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Dr. Dan. I really like what you said about, you know, the cooperatives where farmers can form cooperatives and then leverage the power of the cooperative to access so many things. It really brings me to the question of the available channels and opportunities that agri-food entrepreneurs, be it farmers, be the small-scale processors can leverage. What are these opportunities? What are these channels that they can tap into to leverage the available post-harvest management technologies for their businesses. And uh, as a further note to that, what sort of tools and resources do they need to leverage these opportunities? Yeah, right. So increasingly, there are several technologies that are uh, available, they are becoming available for managing post-harvest losses. I mean, this, most of them are actually still remain expensive and beyond the reach of many farmers, as I said. For agri-food entrepreneurs who are listening, there really no easy route to doing this. But then, from my experience, I think a careful analysis of the value chain and understanding what technologies exist in each value chain is an important first step. The upside is that there are thousands of young technicians who are thirsty of doing new things, and these good resources can actually be harnessed, trained, and supported to adapt and localize existing technologies for local use. These young people can be trained into what I call locally trained artisanal, artisanal network that are working at technology paths or technology hubs, innovating solutions for managing post-harvest decay. Now, I mean, it's very, very important that, I mean, even to create jobs along among the young people, we need to begin to look at how do we even do reverse engineering, for instance. So how do you take an existing very expensive technology, reverse engineer it and make it much more smaller so that farmers everywhere can actually adopt and use it. These are things that I think are very, very important for us to be able to look at going into what tools and channels that we use. I mean, if you look at in terms of resources, there are several technology products that are available in several countries. Like in Ghana, for there are several technology products that the government has set up, which are meant to actually support this kind of innovation to be developed organically from the ground. 
And so there are so many things already available now. What we need to do is to look at the particular value chain and look at what is out there that I can actually customize and we're adapted to be used in Africa. And that's where I think the focus and attention should be directed towards. Thank you so much. So following up on that, I would say as an entrepreneur, I have you know, put everything in place. I have created wonderful technology that works for, say, five value chain. And I want to work with small older farmers who would be my customers, for example, to get them to dry their produce, for example, again, using my technology. So uh, I need to work with a couple of people to get the word out there. So how do I create broad-based broad awareness, get other stakeholders, my target audience, my customers to adopt this technology? Because I am sure you are aware that post-harvest management technologies are not really popular among uh, agricultural stakeholders. So how would I go from the point of, um, I have an idea, I have a product, and then I need people to use this product? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, post harvest technology is not really uh, on, on the top of anybody's agenda. I want people are talking about agriculture development. And so uh, it's really kind of creates a big hurdle for entrepreneurs in that sector to be able to create awareness and let uh, people know what they're doing. In addition, post harvest management entrepreneurs must develop innovative business models that allows farmers to own their own equipment, either on high purchase model or even using a simple group credit schemes. Targeting cooperatives and farmer groups and offering them credit schemes to own and operate post harvest equipment are very good ways of actually increasing adoption. So, I mean, let me break it down. So, if you take one post harvest, let's say a sheller that's able to sell a granite or maize, and then this sheller costs, let's say, $10,000, it's still very, very low cost. But then to an average mother farmer, that's still beyond their means. And so, why, how do you actually support other many farmers able to afford this equipment? What we can do is actually go into what we call a credit structuring system where as many as like 10, 20 farmers can come together, buy this equipment, and then they can even pay for this equipment in kind. So you don't necessarily ask the farmers to pay you cash, but then you ask them, okay, when you harvest your 10 bags of granite, I think it's two bags should go into servicing the cost of this particular equipment. And that can easily be afforded by many farmers that I know of. And so what I've seen that in the rural communities, the moment a commodity is converted to cash, then there's a lot of use for that particular money that is available to the farmer. But then at the same time, when that value is held in the product, let's say it's held in 100 kilos of, of maize or rice or soybean, now farmers find it much more easy to be able to dispense of that particular commodity and use it to pay for services. And so this is a, thing that, a practical example that I think that entrepreneurs can actually adopt in trying to help people be able to acquire and have access to the equipment that they're developing. So provide the equipment, make it available, develop an in-kind payment schemes that allow these farmers to be able to own and operate and pay for these devices. And that's for me is a very good way of increasing adoption among other farmers in many countries in Africa. Thank you very much. This has been a wonderful session with you. I have gained a lot of insights and I am sure that our listeners have done the same. Uh, before we close out the session, I wanted to ask if you have any additional insights on the topic to share with um, agri-food entrepreneurs out there, or really other stakeholders who, you know, are concerned with circular economy, post-harvest management, and the technologies uh, related to this. Yeah, right. So as I said before, I mean, uh, there are several post-harvest 
technologies that are available. Sometimes it is simply uneconomical to try to develop new technologies from the scratch. Innovation does not necessarily mean computer developing new, no new inventions, but then new ways of doing things, new business model, even new marketing strategies can create a healthy and sustainable business ventures. And so for entrepreneurs who are listening to us, I will encourage them to spend time in understanding practical post-harvest issues that really are a border to farmers and find innovative ways to solve these real-life problems. It is only by solving farmers' practical challenges that have defied traditional approaches can entrepreneurs be able to create scale and generate sustainable businesses. So that's just my final message to entrepreneurs that are listening to us now. Don't just try to do new things all the time. Look at what's already out there. Look at what business model that you can develop around them. And then you can be able to scale up and develop a very much more profitable business. So thank you very much for having me on this program. I'm very excited to share this insight with the rest of the audience. Awesome. Thank you very much. So we have come to the end of today's podcast. And I hope that everyone has had a wonderful and insightful session with Dr. Daniel Hakdarikye from Esoko, Ghana. Thank you so much for joining us. Do join us next time. Bye-bye.